Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Psalm 103, you probably know it. You may not. If you didn't grow up in church, you probably don't know much anything. I got tickled. One of the impact team members, I'm, I'm going to tell on her because I think it's funny. She's saved, born again, living for Jesus. And she walked up to me. She said, Pastor, do you see all those law officers over there in the corner? She said, there wouldn't have been a day. If I'd have seen them, I'd have taken off running. I said, you were a rebel? She said, oh, I was a redneck. <laughs> but God can save a redneck, can he? God can save your life. But you may not have grown up in church. You may not, but this is a wonderful scripture. It's one of those you ought to mark in your Bible. Psalm 103, I just want to read verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's a good verse, and you can you just celebrate the word this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated. You've been standing a while. Have you ever thought about how many words you know that end in O L O G Y? How many ology words you know? Okay, you know biology, psychology, maybe ecology, sociology. During the pandemic, we heard a lot about epidemiology, which is the study of health in a population. I'm going to give you a new ology word today that maybe you have not heard before, maybe you have. It's the word ontology, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Ontology is the study of the nature of being or existence, okay? It's very abstract. But let's put it in a way that we can all understand. If I walked up to you this morning and said, how are you? And you responded, I am fine. Those are ontological statements. I am asking you an ontological question. How are you? How how is your state of being? And you're responding ontologically. Don't you love these $9 words I'm throwing out? You're responding ontologically by saying, my state of being is fine. Now, when you get into theology, ontology refers to the study of God's being, his essence, his nature. We know that God, in his nature, in his essence, is what theologians call a simple trinity. Simple doesn't mean that how we make it, you know, elementary. Simple means one. The Shema says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So God is one God, but yet we know he's three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is one being, not three beings. Don't ever say that. He is three beings. He is one being. We may speak of three persons, but they are subsistences of one being. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, and they're equal in power and authority and essence and will and glory. Now, let me just take you a little bit deeper as I've shoved you, and you're flailing now in this nine foot into the pool. 
Theologians like to talk about the Trinity with two terms. They like to talk about imminent Trinity, and they like to talk about economic Trinity. Y'all love that strobe light that's in my face right now. So I need a light person to do something about that. Oh, there you, hey, that's good. You're good back there, whoever that was. I know it was, it was, uh, Getting, you're distracting you. It's, it's distracting me. There it goes again. Okay. Just try to ignore it. So, so there's two terms that theologians use to help us better understand the nature of God, the being of God. One is the imminent trinity. Not I-M-M-I-N-E. You know, imminent like the Lord's return is imminent. It could happen at any time. I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T. And imminent deals with the internal nature of God, okay? So, so this refers to the triune God internally, his internal operations. In other words, this emphasizes his ontology, his being. This is who God is apart from creation. This is who God is in and of himself, okay? If we didn't exist and nothing existed but God, God would still be God. There would be all kinds of things that make God God, see, whether we're here or not. So that's the imminent trinity. That's the ontological side of God. But then theologians talk about the economic trinity, okay? This refers to the triune God's external acts in creation and in providence and in salvation, okay? So this emphasizes his external operations, his doing, okay? That which he does outside of himself. So get this, imminent internal operations, who he is, and external is external operations, what he's doing. So I'm going to now draw you like a good lifeguard and save you out of this nine foot into the pool and get you over here where you can stand on your two feet. <laughs> and when you do what I like to do and you take these deep things and you boil them down to where we live, okay, and just put it in a nutshell, what I'm talking about today, what theologians are talking about is about who God is and what he can do. That's what we're talking about, who God is and what he can do. And so as I read Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms, it struck me that David, who wrote this psalm, has these very concepts in mind when he penned these words. Now, David wasn't thinking, I'm feeling quite ontological at the moment. I think I'm going to write about God and his being. And then and afterwards, after a couple of, he said, ooh, I feel a move into the economic. I think I'll write about, he wasn't thinking in those terms. Those are theological terms we use today. But David was thinking about who God is and what he could do. And, but, but David's goal was not to do a theological treatise. David's goal in verses 1 through 5 is to move God's people into worship. And so here's what he says. Bless the Lord. Stop. Can I just preach? I'm going to preach. You might have to pull your toes up in your shoes here for a minute. I'm just going to preach today. Bless the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. All caps. Bless the Lord. What is that in the Hebrew? That's Yahweh. That's Jehovah. Hold on a minute. That's I am. I am. That's what it means. I am. Jehovah Yahweh means I am. When God interacted with Moses, 
said, go, let's get my people out of Egypt. Who do I, who, who, who do I tell them? Who are you? Who, who do I tell them? You're being, who are you? Let's go, tell them, he didn't, he said, Jehovah. Tell them Yahweh. Tell them I am. Isn't that awesome? Because I am is the conjugation of to be. If you take any of the, all the languages in the world, almost all of them, all of the major languages in the world, the fundamental verb is to be. If you took French, Spanish, remember the first verb you worked on was to be. I am, you are, he is, she is, they are. God is the God of being. So he said, bless the Lord. Bless Jehovah, Yahweh, I am, oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What is his name? Your name reveals who you, you're getting it. So David begins ontologically. And here's the point. What David is trying to say is, you can praise God and worship God simply for being God. You don't need any other reason than that. Just praise him and worship him for being who he is. So I want to talk to you today, high praises. I want to talk about your praise and worship. You don't need any other impetus. You don't need any other motivation than that. Just that God is God. Just that God is. That's reason enough. If he never did one thing for you, if he never did one more thing for you, God, being God, would be reason enough for you to praise him. You're feeling this, aren't you? Ooh, you cut that strobe light off anytime, Gabe. Just cut it off if you have to. Just shut it off and I'll preach in the dark. All you folks watching online, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to turn the bright on your settings up. It's still flashing at me. It's, it's got, oh, look at that. The devil's got in that thing. We're going to rebuke that. You got them all off and those two are still going. I'll fix that. I've been doing this a long time. Twice when I've been preaching, the whole power went out. I yelled to y'all in the dark, y'all want to go home? You want me to preach? And you all yelled, praise. So I preached to you in the dark. Y'all crazy. Everybody watching online, this is a crazy pit, folks. Okay? You know, often we, and I use that with, to paint a, bro, a broad brush, broad strokes. We are guilty of placing contingencies or stipulations on our praise. Okay, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. These are the things that came to mind, things that I've heard in 30-plus years, 35 years of ministry. I have to feel spiritual if I'm going to praise him. Or everything has to be going great in my life for me to come in here and praise him. Or I have to be in the right atmosphere. It has to be the, the right kind of music that I like. Has to be my kind of music. Or here's the one I like. Everybody else has to be praising and worshiping first before I will join him. Let me just deal with that this morning. You should praise him whether you feel spiritual or not. You don't tell your wife or your husband you love them whether you feel lovey dovey. Come on, am I preaching? You don't have to feel it. 
Now, when you first get married, you, you feel all lovey-dovey. But you, you, just stay married about 30 years. You can still have lovey-dovey moments, but it deepens and it transforms and it changes. It matures. Okay? And you just, you just love people and you, can, you don't have to feel it. You can, you can love them on days you don't even like them. And just for the record, Leah has a lot more of those than me, see. Listen, I wasn't born yesterday. I thought the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. I found out you don't have to feel a thing and you can praise it. As a matter of fact, I found out the antidote of when you're not feeling anything spiritually is praise him anyhow. I preach Monday night. At the Wren Church of God, they did a revival starting on Easter. That was something. And I preached that night, and, and I told those folks this very thing, that you don't have to feel anything. I told them sometimes I've been in a wilderness, and, I, and I've been through a wilderness experience. I was dry. I knew I was saved, still full of the Holy Ghost. I couldn't feel anything. And that's frustrating when you pastor this kind of church with this kind of music and this kind of atmosphere and this kind of anointing, and you don't feel anything. And what I have learned through the years is the best thing I can do is get alone, get by myself, and have a little talk with Jesus. And I'll usually do this. God, I don't feel anything. I don't understand this. I want to feel your touch. But I'm here to tell you, God, if you don't ever touch me again, I'm still going to live for you. I'm still going to serve you. You're still God. You're still my Father in little or much. If I don't feel your touch, you're still... And usually about then, a streak of glory will hit me, and I'll start to feel the Holy Ghost get all over me. You don't have to feel it to praise him. Let me just deal with this next one. You should praise him regardless of how life is treating you. Because I got news for you. Life ain't going to treat you good. You're going to have bad days. You're going to go through valleys and deep spots and troubled times in your life. And if you put a contingency where I can only praise him when I'm up on the mountain, what are you going to do in the valley? You know, we used to sing, in everything, give him thanks, give him thanks. In everything, give him thanks. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, give the king of kings all the things. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. You don't, it didn't say for everything. There are things I'm not thankful for. There are things I hate that I'm going through. But here's what I've learned. Even though I hate my circumstance and I hate what I'm going through, in the middle of it, I can still give thanks. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Listen, it's what God wants you to do. He wants you to praise him in the middle of your trial. He wants you to praise. He wants to see some mature faith. He wants you to love on him and bless on him when, it doesn't, when things are going well. See, it shows that you, that you really love him. Paul and Silas were in a jail in Philippi. It's the midnight hour, the darkest time of the night. Their backs have been beaten. That blood has dried and it's caked and it's sticking and they're hurting and they're in chains and they could have grumbled and whined and complained but instead one of them looked at the other and said let's start singing some songs and praying and having church and they did and God heard them they praised at the worst time in the worst environment and God stepped into their environment loosed their chains opened the doors and set them free and the jailer and his whole family got saved are you hearing me there's power in your praise Sometimes the best power of your praise is in your valley.
That's when everybody's watching you and saying, okay, Mr. Goody Two Shoes, live for Jesus. What are you going to do now when all hell's breathing down your neck? Show them what you're going to do. You're going to do like Job and say, I've lost everything. I've got boils with infection on them. My wife is telling me to curse God and die, but the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still going to have myself a praise break. Hallelujah. Anybody feel the anointing of the Lord in this house? There ought to be a praise in your lips right now, clapping your hands. Woo. Where am I? Yeah, you don't need a certain atmosphere or genre of music to praise him either. That's so immature. Oh, I'm going to make somebody mad. Jerry's nicer than me. Jerry does too. These folks from Praise Cathedral, the church that we started out of, they just came by. They were coming through on one stop and visit. Pastor Jerry is a wonderful man. Their pastor, one of my dearest friends. That's immature faith. That's immature. But it's got to be Southern gospel. It's got to be something from 1984. If the Kingsmen didn't sing it, I can't worship the Lord. Y'all, I don't even know if the Kingsmen are still around. At least, at least that generation, they probably all dead and their kids are singing now. But hold on, because I'm an equal opportunity critic. Well, it's got to be the contemporary. I hate Southern gospel. I hate that stuff. It has to be, oh. One is just as bad as the other. That's why I can let these folks get up here. I can sing every song they say. I could have grabbed the mic and sung all three songs and get right in there with them. And then I come up here singing, How Great Thou Art. My God can do anything. You need to be able to sing it all. Really doesn't matter. You ought to be able to worship. Doesn't matter. Okay? Let me tell you. I th- this is what came to my mind as I was preferring this. Sermon. I remember, Jack, Nancy, ra- y'all raise your hand. Wave it. Wave these sweet folks went to Honduras, left Anderson, South Carolina, went to Honduras for eight years as missionaries. Prayed me down there. Prayed me down there. I went down there. Took me two hours out of San Pedro Sula up into these mountains. Said, bring a flashlight. A flashlight, bring a flashlight. Okay. We drove that van up those mountains. No guardrails. It's dark. Josh Tram and I get out of the, the, the van. We turn on our flashlights. We're walking down a trail. I see a little glow. I don't know what it is. I said, Jack, what's that? He said, that's the church. I'm preaching that night. I got my little flashlight. Walking along, trying not to stumble on anything. We get in this little... Church, I don't know if it was a wood church. Did that one have brick or not? I don't remember. Just a wood church? Adobe, that's what I thought it was, Adobe church. Walked in, slat benches. I don't remember they had backs on them. Maybe they had chairs. I don't remember. It was uncomfortable. There was one kerosene lantern, and I'm not talking about the 9-volt battery gun, the Ds, you know. I'm talking about kerosene. In the middle of that church, lighting the whole thing I'd use my flashlight to preach from my notes. Couldn't see. They sang. Three guys played, two guys played guitars that looked like they were beat up to death, and the third guy played this stand-up bass. 
It looked like he was 300 years old. Should have been in a museum. They're singing songs, and I don't know the songs because I don't know Spanish. They're singing and rejoicing. And then weird thing doesn't happen here. The community comes out, and they got windows in the church, and all in through the church on the windows. People go outside like this, staring in. I'm looking around. There's just people from outside. Like they're at the movies, watching the movie. I don't know the language. I don't know anybody. I don't know the songs. The music is rough. There's no sound system. It's uncomfortable. Oh, pastor, that had to be horrible. No, it wasn't. Actually, it wasn't. Because I understand. I've learned I can praise him anywhere, anyhow. And I walked in there, and I'm uncomfortable, and I've never been there, and I don't know anybody. This is my first missions trip in 20-something years. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I said, whew. I may not know anybody, and I can't speak the language, but I feel somebody here I know. It's the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I got goosebumps on my arm. I feel the Spirit of God. I couldn't sing the songs, but I raised my hand and praised him anyhow. I worshiped him anyhow. I even spoke in tongues a little bit. I got up and preached and ministered to a translator, and God came down on us. You don't have to have a certain environment. You don't have to have a certain kind of song. You can praise him anywhere, anytime. You just make up your mind you're going to praise him, and that's enough. That's all you need. Just make up your mind you're going to praise him. My God, I feel his eye. I got to get through this. And when did we need someone else to jumpstart our praise and worship? It's like we're a dead battery and we need somebody to come jump us. Hey, I'm at church this morning and I'm just not feeling it. Can you jumpstart me? If, if y'all get to shouting real good, I think it'll spark something in me and I might raise, I might get a hand up. You know, the problem with too many of us is we're warming ourselves off of somebody else's fire. You need to get your own fire. Clap your hands. Take initiative. Give God what he deserves. Lift your hands. Sing out loud. Shout praises to God. Because here's what I found out. God might use your praise and worship to minister to somebody else. You're waiting on somebody else to jumpstart you when if you'll just go ahead and give God what you already got inside of you, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You shouldn't have to be jumpstarted in the sanctuary. You should have jumpstarted in your prayer closet all week so that when you pulled in this parking lot, you had something ready. Here's another point. If you need a little help praising him, David said, just call out his name. Bless, bless the Lord of my soul and all those with me. Bless his holy name. If I called out your name right now, those of us who know you would immediately think about who you are. Your name invokes thoughts of your personality, your character, memories, things you've done, the qualities that we admire in you. And it's the same way with God. When you call out his name, you'll think about who he is. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to do things in your life, set the captives free, preach the God. When Jesus the anointed one shows up, things are going to happen. Papa God, Heavenly Father, he is a good, good father. 
He is Adonai. What does that mean? That means Lord. That means he's in charge. He's your leader. Elohim. What does that mean? He's the God of creation who brings things into his What is El Shaddai? You know, here's El Shaddai, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, it means God the Almighty. The God who can speak things into existence out of nothing. You're all freaked out about what you're going through and, oh, what's going to happen when you serve a God who is your father, who is El Shaddai, who all he has to do is just say it, and your whole circumstance will change immediately. How about Emmanuel? Y'all know that one, right, from Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us. Something powerful occurs when you identify who he is. I love to do this in my prayer time. When I praise, I encourage you to do this. I did it this morning, walking that neighborhood of mine praying. I said, you're a wonderful counselor. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the Rose of Sharon. You're the Lily of the Valley. You're the Bright and the Morning Star. You're the Alpha and the Omega. That's your name. You're the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the start and the finish. You are faithful and true. You are the God who was and is and is to come. You are the great I am. Come on, somebody. When you know his name, you can praise him. When you know who he is, see, then you can give him glory and honor. You just say his name and you know who he is. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Okay? He's immutable. He's eternal. He's the king. You're the king of kings and the Lord. You're King Jesus means he's in charge. He's in control. God, I'm thankful that you're in charge. Feels like right now I'm in the vortex and everything's scattered in my life, Lord, but in your eyes, you got it all in the palm of your hand. Everything's going to what? Be? Y'all getting this? See, your praise and worship can even bolster your faith. And then in verse 3, David continues his psalm centered on the economics of God. So he moves from an ontological approach of who God is to an economic approach of what God does. He actually contemplates what God can do for you. And so I just want to finish, and preaching all five of these won't take me but long. I'm not going to dwell 20 minutes on each one of them. What can he do for you? David said he can forgive all your iniquities. I love to preach, but I love to preach the gospel, and the greatest thrill of my life is to see somebody who is bound in sin have faith and believe and pray that prayer many times with tears running down their face with passion and desperation. God, forgive me and save me. And I love when God does exactly that. It's nothing like that. When God changes your life, you know, you know, don't you? When he saves you, you know it. I went to Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. I love this. The prophet said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I think this is a call to people who are in sin. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That's for anybody that's backslidden. Come home. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Watch this. And let him return to our God for he will abundantly pardon. He just won't forgive you a little bit. Because you don't have a little bit of sin. you got a lot of sin. You've messed up a lot of times, haven't you? You're in a mess. You're so deep in debt, you don't even know if God can bring you out. That's why I get to stand here today and tell you i got good news. He can get you out. You can't go down so deep that he can't bring you out. You can't be so low in sin that he can't raise you up. Huh. 
So if you're a sinner, you need to know that God will abundantly pardon you of all your sins. You just place your faith in Jesus. Place your faith in what he did when he died on the cross for you. He died in your place. You, know, you should die for your sins, but he died in your place. He took the punishment that you should have experienced on himself. And then last Sunday, we realized he rose from the dead. He lives. He's a living Savior. And he's alive and well. He's conquered sin and death, and he's here to give you life. He came out of that tomb with newness of life, resurrection power, and that's what he gives you. When you get saved, it's not reformation. It's not like you're just a better sinner. You ever met somebody got saved, and you watch him, and you ain't nothing but a better sinner. No, no, no. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. He can forgive you all your iniquities. He can heal all your diseases. That's what he can do. Now, I know that God doesn't always heal everybody. I know that. I think God has the right to say yes and the right to say no according to his will. And this, this sounds very plain, but it will get you through life. Everybody's going to die of something. It is appointed a man wants to die. Now, I don't, I don't mean to be, and I'm not, I would never be heartless. I'm, I'm quite the opposite. I'm very compassionate. But the reality is you're not going to get healed every time. There may be a time when you don't get healed, okay? God has the, but listen, he can heal. And we need to just keep praying. Don't just say, well, you know, if I don't know if he's going to do it or not, I'm not going to pray. No, 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 pray. Because you might get a healing. Jesus can heal all physical maladies. Matthew 4.23 states Jesus healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. I just want to remind you today, there is no limit to his healing power. No disease is greater than his ability to rebuke it and repair it and restore it. Let's don't ever forget that. What else can he do? He can redeem your life from destruction. Wouldn't you like to know, or maybe you wouldn't, how many times you have flirted with death and didn't know it? The times when God redeemed your life and kept you safe. I, I went fishing with uh, church treasure yesterday. That's always a good thing to do. We love to fish. We fish all the time. And we talk, you talk on a fish, you get on a fishing boat, you talk about everything. And I recounted a story to him, and I said, you know what, I need to tell that story. Several months ago, I was up at this gas station, this 7-Eleven up here on 81. Y'all know where I'm talking about. I was on the end pump. I had, I had filled my, my pump, the, the, the truck up with a pump, which is on the inside. And I don't know, I must have been cleaning the windshield and I walked around the front of my truck, which puts me now on the outside of the whole pumping station, right, where you would go around to go out. And as I am walking around, a teenager in a pickup truck who's just filled up his truck gets in his truck and full bore lays on the gas and goes zero to 60 in a parking lot. I don't know how he did that, but he races out. I don't know if his girlfriend just called him and broke up with him. I don't know what happened, but he guns it and goes flying around the corner of my truck the same time I'm walking around the edge. And as I do, he goes by me, not, not feet, not a foot, inches, inches, mere inches. This fast-moving pickup truck just startled me. Whoa, right by me. It is good for him that the gas pump was still putting gas in my truck.
Maybe you're right, elder. It was good for me. And I thought it was that close. That close. But that day at the 7-Eleven, the Lord redeemed my life from destruction. He can keep you from harm. I can't remember which singer it is. Black guy, he sings, Jesus, be a fence all around me every day. You know that one, Stephanie? Yeah. Yeah, it'll come to me. You know, I pray that. I pray every day when I'm praying. I pray the Lord protect me and my family. I pray protection over y'all. I say, Lord, protect my church family. I, I say, Lord, protect what we got as well as us. I'm praying over your possessions. You didn't know that. That's what a shepherd does. But while I'm praying, I'll say, Jesus, be a fence. Jesus, be a fence all around me. He can keep you from harm. Now, listen, he can keep you from making destructive choices. He can protect you from opponents who would try to ruin you. Number four, he can crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. When I read that phrase, what comes into my mind is the New Testament equivalent of those words, grace and mercy. He can lavish you, and he will lavish you daily with his amazing grace and wonderful mercy. Can I, can I teach you something? I've done it before, but a lot of you are new and you don't know this, that my father taught me, and I now pray it every day. When I pray every day, I'm telling you, every day, I pray, God, I ask for favor with you and with men. And he gives it to me because he'll crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He can open doors for you opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't get. He can close doors for you. So that's not good. Oh, yeah, it will if it'll stop you from doing something that you will later regret. What that country song say? Thank God for unanswered prayers. That's about as spiritual as I'm going to get with a country song. And what's the last thing David said? He can satisfy your mouth with good things. I don't think he had smoking pig barbecue ribs in mind. Maybe he did. He can satisfy your mouth. One translation says your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know what I found? I found that God can feed your body. He can feed your mind. He can feed your heart, your emotions. He can minister to your thought process, your intellect. He can feed your soul. He can feed your spirit with the right things that will energize you. You know, it's easy to get down, isn't it? To get low, to get depleted. And there are things that we can do in the natural, but sometimes your heart gets depleted, your mind gets depleted, your, your soul gets depleted. Somebody's drained the life out of you. And you just don't know what to do. You're just almost living, existing. But I'm telling you, God knows what you need. And God will touch you and give you what you cannot muster on your own. You can't do it on your own. He can give you a friend that refreshes you every time you see them. He can put the right people in your life to mentor and coach you. Listen to me. Stop doing evangelism dating. He can give you a godly boyfriend or girlfriend to meet that need of your heart. He can give you a godly husband and wife. They that wait upon the Lord shall get the right husband and wife. That's the King Chris version. He knows what you need to raise you up and energize you. I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm finished.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.